Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 133. Woo woo. 133 in the house. And we're breaking things up a little bit. Yeah. Because we're not doing an update or a theme episode. Yeah. This is a Wednesday episode, which, you know, typically is an update or a themed episode. But we've got an amazing interview lined up today. So this is super exciting. Um, and, and I'm stoked about this. Our interviews are always great. I always learn tons from our, our the people we have on. Uh, they teach us a bunch. I know that they teach you know so many of our listeners things. And a lot of times it's just cool to talk and, and hang out with yeah. people who are you know like minded and and have uh, similar passions as we do. So without further ado, we'd like to introduce Josh Harry Tornado. Many of you know him. He's he's definitely you know picking it up on the YouTube. So tell us a little bit, Josh, what you're about, where people can find you, what you sell, da da da, all that good stuff. Awesome. Uh, so first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I've been a longtime listener and it's definitely an honor to be on the show with you guys. Uh, so for those of you listening or watching to this or watching this, if you don't know me, my name is Josh. I go by Harry Tornado on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, that name uh, comes from a nickname in college that used to be ah, my Xbox okay. Live gamer tag. Nice. So a lot of people <laughs> wonder where I that always came wondered. from. You know, I just thought everybody's a flipper or a picker mm. or something, you know, and I just wanted something that helped me stand out. And it, I, I think it's done its its job. Uh, I've been making reselling YouTube videos for just over a year. I've been making YouTube videos for like a year and a half. Um, I started my channel. I wasn't even a reseller yet. So it kind of just morphed into that over a couple of months. I knew I had to uh, pick a, a niche uh, and stick with it. And then I just started reselling. I'd always been a, a thrifter. And then I found a Rally Roots video and I was like, oh, you can do this to make some extra money. And mm. then I did that for six or nine months or so. And then I was laid off from my job. I was an insurance underwriter before that. Uh, and when I was laid off, I was at like 250 active listings on eBay. I just got monetized on YouTube like the week before that. And it was like last August. I was like, you know, this is a great time to try out full-time reselling. <laughs> like coming mm. in August, like August 18th like the very beginning of Q4, pretty much. I was like, you know, I talked to my wife, we had some money saved up. I'm like, let's just try this and see what happens. Um, so that's been, it's been pretty successful. YouTube has grown. I think at that time I was at like 1500 subscribers and I just hit 29,000 last week. Nice. Um, reselling is, uh, reselling is going well. I'm getting better. I'm still not, um, you know, I'm doing like five or $6,000 a month on eBay gross, uh, which is pretty good for, you know, average, I'm not like a crazy seller. There's many, many things I don't know. I definitely don't claim to be, you know, a, a know-it-all reseller, but it's fun. It's a, it's a very interesting job. You know, I, I, I look forward to those situations where people that you meet you for the first time, ask what you do. Uh, Cause I always, I don't know, it's just fun explaining the whole process of like, yeah, I buy things and sell them and make money. And then and make videos about it and make money from that. Yeah. So it's like the the one two punch, which is always really fun. Yeah, that's um, awesome. You get to like capitalize on what you're capitalizing on, which is exactly. amazing. Yeah, so. reselling is, and it also helps that like reselling like the business niche of videos on YouTube is some of the highest like paid from YouTube. Like you like oh, uh, YouTube pays out what's called a CPM, which I don't know what that stands for, but it's basically like a price per one thousand views. And videos in the reselling genre and in like the business and finance genre generally get paid way more than like video game or beauty channels. Mm. So it's uh it's a very lucrative industry to be in. It's very competitive and it's not easy. Uh, but I have enjoyed every second of it. 
Wow. That's awesome. So when you first got started, you said before you got laid off, you had about 250 active listings on eBay. Um, what, and, and you mentioned you watched a Rally Roots video that kind of got you into that, but what was, um, what kind of things were you selling? Uh, was it just things you were doing as like a hobby? Like what, what really got you into reselling and what were the things you were picking up? So yeah, um, like I said, I've been thrifting for a long time, but I would find like cool stuff. I'm like, man, that's not my size. I wish it was my size because that's a great deal. And then I just, it just clicked. I was like, oh wait, I could just buy this and somebody will wear it out there in the world. Uh, so Rally Roots, I started watching them like about a year ago. So they were still, I started watching their older videos. So I was picking up like the Tommy Bahamas and mm-hmm. like, you know, the stuff they were picking up a year before that. So I realized oh, quickly that, that was not something I should do, but I started with clothing just cause it was really easy to find, um, and did pretty well with it. And, you know, I thought, it, I don't know. I feel like a lot of resellers go through that, that transition. They start with clothing and then they realize how terrible it is. <laughs> and then they move on to something else later. Some people don't, maybe some people do like clothing, but, um, I think we now I've moved into, yeah, now I've moved into like, uh, hard goods and shoes. I really like shoes. Um, I, I, I interviewed Renzi. Uh, Ryan Lindsay on Instagram. Um, I interviewed them on my YouTube channel a couple months ago, I guess about a month ago. Um, if you don't know them, they're a husband and oh, wife team. Awesome. That, yeah. Yeah. They do uh, basically only shoes. Um, so yeah, I just started with clothing. You know, if I found, if I found a cool hard good, you know, a VCR or something that I'd, I'd seen another reseller pickup, I would do it. But for the most part, it was clothing for the first three to six months. Um, clothing and shoes. And then I just, I've just slowly transitioned out of that. At least I've tried to over the last six months or so. All right. So it seems like you moved really fast, right? Because we just had our last theme episode. I don't know. It seems like that was forever ago, right? Cause ever so much has happened, but <clears throat> I had broken down like all these steps, like in order to become a full-time seller, I'm not sure you did any of those, not that you have to. So, so what are some of the things like I, you had mentioned you went to full-time, but what are some non-negotiables that you had to kind of make sure that they were taken care of before you jump full-time or did you just jump full-time and go, you know what, I'm going to make this happen. So the way I did it, I would actually not recommend anybody else do that. Okay. So that it, when I found myself laid off, I had looked at two things. Obviously I talked with my wife because it's important to you know not make a rash decision like that uh, by yourself, you know? So we come to the conclusion, you know, she, I really think it was part of God's plan, honestly, because like I said, I was monetized on YouTube the week before I was laid off. I was laid off right at the beginning of Q4, the best time to try full-time reselling. Mm. My wife was actually promoted at her job like two weeks before I was laid off. And we've, we're, she's really good financially. I am not, but uh, we have deferred to her judgment. So we were pretty well off financially. And uh, we were just lucky enough to have the ability to just kind of go for it. Um, I would say if you are faced with, I, I would never reckon it, recommend, I'd say never, I would very rarely recommend somebody to just quit their job and start reselling because it's definitely not as easy as you think it's going to be. It, the idea of reselling is easy. You just buy stuff and sell it for more money. But the uh, the work and the energy and the, and the knowledge it takes to consistently find quick selling items that can make a profit to not only provide you sustenance and provide for your family, but also provide you an extra cushion to, you know, pay your taxes and invest more into your business. It's just not that easy. Um, I'm actually going to say that if, if eBay, if selling things was my only source of income, 
I probably wouldn't be comfortable as a full-time reseller. The mm. only reason I do it now is because I have, you know, the YouTube income and the Amazon affiliate income, which is really great. Thanks to my viewers, just constantly supporting me and buying stuff through Amazon and my links. Um, so, and all that just comes into play. Like if you can have multiple sources of income, whatever they may be, that's, I think that's a huge part of becoming a full-time reseller. Like if, if you, so I'm in South Carolina my cost of living here is super low compared to you guys in California. Huh. But even for me, like I want to make like 50 grand a year, like 50 grand a year in South Carolina, like after taxes is pretty good. That's mm. more, that's more than average. But to do that with only reselling, I'd have to sell about $120,000 a year gross, which is right. $10,000 a month. And if you're trying to do that on eBay, only sourcing at thrift stores and yard sales, that's tough. That's yeah. really, really tough. I don't, Really, I don't think I know anybody that's doing that. Um, I know people that are doing those numbers, but they have wholesale and right. you know stuff like that. So um, I'm not interested in hiring employees or getting into wholesale. So for me to hit those numbers to be comfortable, I can't do it with only eBay. So that's why I incorporated the the YouTube and Amazon and and all those other things as well. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's one of the reasons we started Pure Hustle Podcast is we realized that reselling was a side hustle and potentially a full time hustle. Most well, for people, you, for me, it's a full time. Yeah, yeah. It's either it's it's full or it's, it's side. Way more money reselling <laughs> than on the podcast. Tell you for sure. Well, yeah, for sure. But what I'm saying though is, we started the podcast knowing that resellers are um, the kind of people who hustle. They're the kind of people who who are willing to do the extra things to have side income coming in in different ways. Uh, and so it's cool that YouTube has become a side hustle for you. Do you have any other side hustles you do, or or does this kind of consume all your time? Uh, I mean, pretty much like right now with, you know, everything we've got going on, I really want to get an Xbox one again, just to get nice. into that as like a hobby. Uh, obviously I'm not planning on making any money with that, but I just sell, I mean, I think with reselling your side hustles can be multiple platforms. Like I've sold a couple things on Mercari. I do a little bit on Amazon. I think I have like six FBA listings right now, like not very much at all, mm. but they're selling like stuff I've had sent in there for over a year is selling now. Um, I do a little bit on Facebook marketplace, but really just flipping, like flipping mm -hmm. is my only source of income outside of, you know, like YouTube and Amazon and stuff. Um, I do coaching calls, which are super cheap because mm -hmm. I am not a source of authority. This is just like, Hey, if you want me to talk to you for like a 30 minutes to an hour about your YouTube channel or your eBay store, and just tell you the things I've messed up on in the last year that can help you, you know, prevent you from doing that then I'll talk to you. Uh, and just to make sure you're serious about help and that I'm not wasting my time, I charge 25 bucks for that, um, which is crazy cheap. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, but, but again, I'm not a, not a professional. So that's pretty much all my, my uh, income sources there. Just, right now, YouTube is the, the highest, uh, but that's, yeah, that's, uh, you never know. So January and February, YouTube was good. Uh, eBay was good. And then Amazon and, and coaching calls, uh, couple other things, I guess. I think I made a video about all my income streams at the end of 2019, but mm. um, I lose track of them. And that's yeah. a good problem to have. Yeah, like, yeah, the absolutely. More, the more you have, the better it is, you know? Yeah, and you know, I'm right sure. now we're in an interesting time. I would say with everything, my speculation is no matter where this ends up, I do think reselling is going to keep moving. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. talk, I'll hear your thoughts about that later, but uh, you know, you, you take a look at it now, people don't have jobs, right? I know in California, I don't know how many million jobs have been shut down. You're trying to find that resource, right? You're trying to get that money and you have stuff in your house that you can sell, right? So I can definitely see people looking still to YouTube, 
still looking to individuals like you listening to the podcast, trying to find ways to make that conversion, to make at least a little bit, right? To to get the creditors off their backs or to be able to pay these certain bills until things, you know, normalize again. So I had a question for you. So you had to learn things quick. <laughs> That's my guess. Because now you, you, you're a little different because YouTube, you're saying you started YouTube back in 2019. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, I started my channel September of 2018, okay. but I didn't make my first reselling video until February of 2019. Okay. So a little over a year on reselling YouTube. And I know that income, ta- it takes a lot to get that to be any kind of income. I mean, we, <laughs> I mean a lot. So at some point you had to figure out a model of reselling, right? So what, yeah. what did that look like for you? Like, were you sourcing every other day or were you a fast nickel, slow dime kind of guy? Uh, you already mentioned platforms. Like, how did you end up at a place where you made enough income where you didn't feel that you had to go back to work? Yeah. So while I was working, all I could think about was reselling and and YouTube. And I knew that that was a problem. I'm like, I can't, I'm not just, I can't just work the rest of my life. Like with this dream in my head, um, you know, on my lunch break, I had an hour lunch break every day, but I had, I was like on the clock. So it was an hour, but it was like, I clocked out, then had to go down two flights of stairs across, you know, two blocks to my car and then drive to the thrift store. I'd try to thrift on my lunch break. Uh, sometimes I'd try to film it, you know, I had a series called lunch break thrift trip and then get back and eat my lunch real fast and then get back up to the computer two floors up and, and clock in. So it was just really stressful, but I was never like my lunch break was the happiest part of my day. Cause mm. I, that was like what I enjoyed doing. Um, so as far as like learning everything, I really just watched other YouTubers. Like I watched a ton of rally roots. I watched, um, Cincinnati picker, um, a lot of Josh, a lot of Josh and I have been really good friends ever since, you know, we both kind of started at about, about the same time. Um, and really there's just so many content creators out there. Like you just watch what watch a bunch of what sold videos. I'm like, okay, that sells for hundred bucks for him. And he found it at a thrift store for five. Why can't I do that? Mm. Uh, I mean, it's, you're not going to hit home runs every time, but I'd say, you know, I would go thrifting pretty much every lunch break, which wasn't very much. It'd be like 15 or 20 minutes, depending on the line at the thrift store. Yeah. Uh, but then I'd also maybe stop at the bins on the way home, um, not stay too long. So my wife wouldn't get mad at me for getting home too late. Uh, and then on Saturdays, you know, I finally talked my wife into going to some yard sales with me. So sourcing is my favorite part. Um, and I've never had an issue with like, oh man, I got to go sourcing for more yep. inventory. Ah, dang it. <laughs> like that's never been an issue for me. Um, but yeah, so the time spent sourcing was an issue. And then like what I was buying, I was just learning from other sellers and mm. learning for what works for me. You know, I know like this week I've sold like six Nintendo Wii's. So like, I know now if I go to a thrift store, I'm not going now, but if I were at a thrift store today and I found a Nintendo Wii bundle for 20 bucks, I would definitely buy it because I know for a fact I can list that and it can sell within 30 minutes right now with everything we got going on. What are they selling um, for right now? I've sold. So like if you just have the unit by itself, yeah. it depends on the model. Like if you have the one that is GameCube compatible, I sold that for 39 free shipping. Okay. Um, and if you have the Wiimotes that are the black ones that say motions. Yeah, they're inside. Two, yeah, or something like yeah. that. Uh, I sold two of those yesterday for like $48 shipped or something like that. Nice. And those, those were in a bundle. I paid 30 bucks for the bundle. Uh, inside the Wii in that bundle was a copy of uh, a GameCube copy of Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, nice. That That's a good 40. find. Yeah, that sold for 40 by itself. Then the unit sold for 39. The Juke controllers sold for 48. And I still have 
I think two games and like the power cord and all that stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's kind of funny you mentioned Nintendo Wii. I I'm I'm not a really big gamer just because I don't have tons of time for it. Uh, but I was but you like, play you know, board games. I, I play board games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I was like, okay, so I'm I'm kind of stuck at home. I'm in this self quarantine type situation, and so I was like, you know what? This might be the time to pick up a Nintendo Switch. You can't get them like like. Those kinds of things are gone. They're not on Amazon. They're 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 selling used on eBay for well above what they cost new. Like it's just yeah. it's, it's a crazy time right now with that kind of stuff. So now um, that being said, since since you know you've, you've had some success with those, what are what are the things that you're most excited to pick up? Like what are the niches that you're like this is my niche. This is what I enjoy picking up. I enjoy selling. Um. Honestly, right now it's video game stuff because mm. it's just selling so fast. Yeah. Like I've always enjoyed it, but now even more so. Like I've had like Guitar Hero controllers in my death pile for a couple months, like some that are missing battery covers or missing straps that I was wanting to wait until they were complete. But now, I mean, I sold an Xbox 360 one this weekend. It was no strap and missing a battery cover and it sold for like 65 bucks. Shit. Oh my wow. goodness. The market and has definitely just- changed. Yeah, dude, it's just video games. There's yep. nothing to do but play video games. Yep. So, I mean, every everything I have, I, I don't even think I have any video game stuff left. I think it's all sold already. Uh, so I'm loving that right now. Um, I've always been into shoes. I really like, I don't know, I just like shoes. They're, everybody needs shoes, you know, 99.999% of the population. Um, and I'm getting into learning about like Jordan's. I uh, picked up a pair today for six fifty, and I think I've listed them for forty, but they were like trash. Like, mm. looks like they pulled them out of a dumpster. But I, I looked up the brand, I looked up sold comps, um, and I'm pretty sure they'll go pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, shoes, shoes are almost as plentiful as clothing, but not as annoying to list. Yeah, uh, and generally, it's a higher ASP than like shirts. So, mm-hmm. like every thrift store in the country, you can go in and find shirts. Um, that you can might make money on, but I don't like listing clothing. I don't like how long it takes to sell shoes are better. Uh, they're easier to store for me. I don't, um, I don't have like an inventory system for my shoes. I just have a huge shelf. I just put them up there. And when they sell, I just look for them. Whereas clothing, I would have to put like in the bin and put it in a bag and put the label in the bag. And then it takes eight months to sell and I make $7. Yeah. Um, so I like shoes. They're easy to find. I like cleaning them. It's just a weird, I just love finding like a, a white pair of vans or something that's like just dirty enough. And you just take some OxyClean and a brush and they just look brand new. Like I just, just really satisfying. It's like it's not the same as like throwing stuff in the washing machine and then it gets it clean. It's like actually physically cleaning it yourself and making it look new. Just, uh, I don't know. It's just rewarding, I guess. Nice. That's good. Well, it's interesting you mentioned video games and shoes because those are actually, they are selling well. I mean, we already talked about video games, but shoes are selling well right now. Yeah, I've had a few shoe sales recently that I'm like, I had somebody buy So a, we're quarantined, yeah, right? But I guess you still Can't need shoes anywhere. to walk in the house. Yeah, well, someone bought a pair of Allen Edmonds and I'm thinking like, man, like now's the time to be getting those really nice dress shoes, right? I guess so. <laughs> you just never know. But hey, we're trying to provide value. So if you're listening... I really, I really will say list every pair, well, list everything. But if you have video games and you have shoes, you have board games. I mean, I'm selling board games right yep. now. I mean, all the things that I kind of was like, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon, right? Like, oh, let's just do board games. But the reality is, yeah, it, it's selling right now. Yeah. It, it's one of those times where like, I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have gotten it before, but I get comments on my videos all the time. If I'm like, telling people about brands or items that I'm picking up that are selling for good money. 
people are like, oh, thanks. You just ruined the market yep. by telling all your subscribers. I'm like, first of all, I don't have that many subscribers yeah. compared to the 350 million people that are in this country. And second of all, there's plenty, there's plenty of meat left on the bone to go around. Even in times like these, I mean, the, anybody could list a Nintendo Wii right now and it would right. sell pretty much instantaneously. A, a Nintendo Switch, you know, like video games are just going. Puzzles are going. Um, any in any indoor activity books, like I, a lot of people are selling music books, mm. um, homeschool materials and stuff like mm. that. Like this is the time that we can share these bolos with people and the market doesn't matter. Like right. the demand and is people so can't get much them. more than the supply right now. <laughs> you know, I know. Well, and they can't get them unless you have them already. Right. Or unless you find the source. But that's, yeah. that's what I like about this episode, because this episode is going to be different than any other interview, because everything that we drop right now, now this could be relevant for six months. Right. Or it could be relevant for two weeks. We don't know. We just don't yeah. know. But what I do know is that right now, like the, the, thing with Amazon, right? Amazon isn't delivering certain items for over a month. Right? Yeah. So if you're selling on eBay right now, a non-essential like a video game, you have an advantage over Amazon. So if you're listening, take advantage of that. Don't think that I'm just going to merge and fulfill on Amazon. You go to eBay, you ship faster, your stuff will sell faster. That's just my thoughts. Yep. I don't know. Do you, do you, what, do you, what do you think, Mike? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, have you tried yeah, to buy something ordered, on Amazon and it's like delivery April 21? Yep. Yeah. I ordered some, uh, some more tape. This is my last roll of eBay tape and I ordered it on Amazon yesterday and it, I ordered it and then I saw that it wasn't getting delivered until mine said May 1st. May 1st. So wild. Yeah. And speaking of which, I mean, Walmart, I bought a, I bought a toy for my son today or not today. I bought it like last week, but it just got here today. And it was through a third party on Walmart with their fulfillment thing. And it was much quicker than, than I would have been able to get it through Amazon. So uh, yeah, Amazon is definitely not necessarily the place to, uh, to do any kind of buying from right now. It's a good opportunity to be selling on eBay and to be that fast shipping because people are, are excited when they get something faster than they could get it from Amazon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we can do that. I mean, thank goodness that the post office is still moving. Right? That has not slowed down one bit. All right, yep. so uh, all right, well, you kind of answered this question already. So you you have no prerequisites, and like you can definitely go part time and full time without a problem. <laughs> Is that where you land on, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't know. Like, I Gary V always talks about like if like I'm 29 right now. Yeah, and I realized that when I was laid off, that nothing I had done in my life up until that point like really mattered because mm. I was unemployed. And I was like, I could just do eBay right now. I could have done this out of high school and mm -hmm. be a multimillionaire. But now, like, I went to college. I, I dropped out. I'm only nine credits short of a bachelor's degree. And I don't know. I just, out of spite, I just don't want to go back. Like, I just, I just. It's only just nine credits though, Josh. That's like three classes. Yeah, I just, I'm just not, <laughs> I'm just not in it, man. I'm just, I was so frustrated. It's a long story. This could be a whole <laughs> my college story is just a, an entire interview by itself. Um, but I don't know. It's just like in your 20s, even in your 30s or 40s, man, that you just, if you just want to take a year, just take a year out of your life and just try something new. Like, I just, I hate when people nowadays were telling kids in eighth grade it, to pick their major in middle school. Right. And then you'd stick with your major through high school and then college. And then you get a job and you wake up one day and you're 60 and you realize you've always wanted to be a, the fighter pilot or something, you know, mm -hmm. and you just have never had the guts to, to try out even 
testing your fear of heights, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm glad I had the realization earlier in life. You know, I'm only 29, but uh, it's, it just sucks. There's a lot of people out there that are just stuck in that. It's really a, a ditch. You know, they think they're successful with their own insurance agency or whatever, you know, not, I don't want to bad mouth insurance agencies, but for a couple of years, I thought that's what I was going to do. I thought mm -hmm. I was going to eventually own my own insurance agency one day and have a really stable income for my family. Um, but, but really the only, the only true stable source of a, a stable job is working for yourself. When anytime you're dependent on somebody else to, you know, even if it's you working for them, you're mm -hmm. still dependent on them to, to make your paycheck, to allow you to work there. Um, yeah, I'd made a video about it in the past, but when I was working at my last job as an insurance underwriter, I had every intention on working there for 20 or 30 years, getting a nice retirement. And I don't know, it just, it was an easy job. It was boring. I didn't like it, but mm -hmm. I was good at it and I felt safe. And then literally 30 seconds later, bam, i let go health insurance gone, everything gone. Um, so I don't know now that I'm working for myself, you know, times like this are definitely scary. You know, I think it's scary for everybody, Yeah. Uh, but it would be scary for me if I was working at an insurance office too. Uh, now, do you I feel think, it's, I don't know, you know, you mentioned about times like this are scary. And I thought when this hit, like, I thought I was going to be like scared. Like I was going to, like, I had, I had somebody actually a good friend of mine email me and say, Hey, Orlando, can you write me a letter of reference? Like, I think I'm going to go back to work. Like they were doing like real estate and they're actually looking to go back in the classroom. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, is this something I should be considering? And I got to tell you in this last week, I haven't felt that. Like not at all. So are you kind of still thinking this full time the gig is going to last despite how long this may go? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm not worried about the reselling business going under anytime soon. There's always going to be a market for used items. Uh, the only thing we have to do as resellers to make sure our heads are above water is adapt and change our items that we're selling. You know, I'm not going to be able to sell Nintendo Wii's in 10 years. Like that's going to be obsolete, but uh, we have to constantly grow and, and study the market, see what things people are buying and figure out how to get them somewhere else cheaper and sell them to them through eBay or through whatever market, uh, whatever marketplace is applicable at the time. Um, the, the idea of buying and selling, even in, even if the economy collapses and you know it's an apocalyptic, you know, Walking Dead situation, oh, you can still set up a little shop and yeah. sell, you know, guns and canned goods or whatever. It's just you just have to have the know-how to to collect all that stuff. Um, everything there's always going to be something that people are willing to pay for, no matter what happens. No matter how, no matter what happens, anything could happen. There's always going to be something in demand. So I'm not worried about. Uh, us it's just you know yeah. i don't think i don't think resellers are ever going to struggle any more than restaurant workers are right now you know yeah it, it's so fascinating i i'm telling you like i i really i went and i know this isn't my interview this is your interview but i i just i i totally understand where you're coming from but like you just said there's a lot of people that felt secure in their jobs two weeks ago right you never thought but now I'm making more money on a single day than maybe if I was still teaching, which is just mind blowing to me right now. Granted, if I was teaching, it'd still be steady because now teachers, all they had to do is go home <laughs> and now they got to teach from home. Right. But yeah. it, it changes a lot. And we're, I used to, Mike's in, you're not in private education anymore, but when we're in private education, that that's a scary field for us. Right. 
because our people now, if everything is remotely, are people going to be willing to pay massive amounts of money to educate their children? So, yeah, I don't know. Everything. I think my biggest thing is that when when you make the jump from you know a, a steady you know corporate job to working for yourself in something like you know you sell stuff on eBay, what what's your real job? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, people people like to compare only the financial aspect of it. Like, Oh, what about your benefits? What about your insurance? I'm like, well, my benefit, like my company was giving me a 3% match in my 401k, which mm-hmm. was basically $1,200 a year. So I'm like, okay, if I can make an extra 1200 bucks a year, then I can just pay my own benefits, you know, match my own 401k. Good point. Yep. Um, so, but people don't want to value your happiness. Like you can look at a job like, okay, as a teacher, I don't in South Carolina teachers make like new teachers probably make like 35 to $40,000 before taxes. Um, and they're like, okay, that's decent. But what if you want to be a photographer and like, Oh, well, photographers only make like $30,000 a year and you don't have the state benefits of being a teacher. But what if you're a thousand times happier being a photographer than you would be a teacher? Um, so I don't know. There's, I think people only think about the money aspect of it. Like, like I said, Gary V talks about all the time. Like, would you rather make $120,000 a year, but be completely miserable or make 50 K a year and just be doing what you absolutely love every single day of your life. Um, and I think when you, when you take that happiness factor and really value that to where it needs to be valued, um, you know, obviously you have to, value the financial aspect of it too. We need to provide for our families and be able to afford things. But um, I don't know. I just think money gets put on a pedestal. You know, money isn't everything. You got to, you got to value your happiness. I know a lot of, I know a lot of people, I used to be a financial coach, like a Dave Ramsey style financial mm. coach. And I've met a lot of miserable people making six figures. Right. And it's just, they don't tell you about it. And I can't tell you about it because confidentiality, but um, it's, you'd be surprised at how many miserable rich people there are. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know... But this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, So we've been able to partner with List Perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, You need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, And so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our, our... 
link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your, your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Yeah, no, absolutely. And speaking of happiness, I mean, you talked earlier in the in the interview um, how much you enjoy sourcing, how much you enjoy thrift stores and, and garage sales. And, and being that that's kind of on pause right now, um, let's take a trip down memory lane. What are some of your favorite like garage sale stories, like big finds or interesting things that have happened? So, you know, I haven't had that huge flip like, oh, I've got this for $2 and sold it for 10000 You know, <laughs> I did find oh. a Vitamix. Yeah, I found a, um, a Vitamix blender at a yard sale. Uh, I paid $8 for it and I sold it for two sixty. dollars I think. Nice. But the best thing about that was that it was the last garage sale of the day. Like we were on the way home and mm. already bought a bunch of stuff. And it was like 12.15 or something. And we just passed one on the side of the road. I was like, let's stop and stop there. And actually got the Vitamix and a pair of Harley Davidson boots. Um, I think it was like 12 bucks for everything. The boots sold for 50, I think. Um, but that Vitamix blender you know, sold for about 260. And uh, I don't know, man, I just, I love going to yard sales. You know, you just never know what you're going to find. Um, one of my best feelings in thrift stores is when like, you know, it's crowded, there's a bunch of people in there and you just go to the back and you just see something worth like a hundred bucks just sitting mm -hmm. there. And just knowing that you can see the value in that item that all these other people missed. Right. Nobody, even the cashiers are like, oh, what are you going to do? This, na this nasty thing. Yep. Yep. Like, I'm going to collect it and fix it up. Yep. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to sell on eBay for 150 bucks. You know? <laughs> okay, so let's rewind a little bit. How did you get to a place? Because, you know, I'm pretty sure in the beginning, after you're watching YouTube videos, you're going out, you're finding things. And then you realized Tommy Bahama wasn't it. <laughs> and then and then you started, you know, you kept doing the phone thing, but you probably came to a place where you could spot things out without needing to take your phone out. Yeah. So what led you, like, how did you self-educate to get to that place? Was it just a YouTube or was it a lot of trial and error? Or was it that eventually you found certain niches that you were good at? I mean, I think the combination of YouTube and trial and error, um, I think with YouTube, it gets really exciting in the beginning. So you like, you know, maybe find a, I don't know, like Tommy Hilfiger was like really popular when I started last year. So I would see some, anything Tommy Hilfiger. And I was like, Oh man, oh, this is awesome. Like this shirt's four seventy five. I'm gonna sell it for $50. And it wasn't true. Like mm. Tommy got super saturated. Um, so I just learned that, you know, I don't pick up Tommy now. I passed on one in a video the other day and somebody said a, a few people in the comments said I should have picked it up. I'm like, you know, whatever, man, I'm just not, that's not what I'm focused on right now. Right. But um, like Magnavox, there's a Magnavox VCR DVD combo unit that I find like once every two months. And I, I can see those things from across the store, man. I'll look at the electronics. I see it with those silver buttons on the front. I'm like, there it is, baby. That's 220 bucks on Amazon FBA all day long. So it's, it's just, you know, trial and error and just experience, you know, being a reseller for over, over a year. Um, there's just those certain items that are pretty common to find like Nintendo Wii's now, like that's the first thing I look for. I look in the glass case up front. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's yeah, it's just trial and error and just experience. Like whatever you make a big sale, you make a, you know, a sale that's really profitable for you. You're always going to remember that item and you're going to be at least subconsciously looking for it yep. every time you go sourcing. Um, so yeah, I've never really done any, occasionally I'll do like some product research. Like I did a video last week where I just looked up some, some bolos, just random crazy bolos for a video. 
Um, but most of my product research is done in the store. Like mm. now that I'm full time, I have the ability to go to a thrift store and spend more than 15 minutes in there on my lunch break. So I'll go just to the electronic section and just look up model numbers. Um, that's really, if you want to learn fast, that's the best way to do it. Just look up everything. And that's the, when you look up something once and you find out it's worth 200 bucks, your, your brain is going to remember that for you. You're not going to have to worry about writing it down. Right. Um, at least that's my experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. And speaking of trial and error, what, what were maybe some of the uh, errors that you've had, maybe some uh, mistakes you've made either early on or even recently? So one of my favorite things about reselling is that even if you make an absolutely awful mistake, you probably won't lose money. Like unless you're, unless you buy like an Amazon return pallet or something dumb like that, that I would never recommend anybody doing. <laughs> Have you bought one before? No, okay. I just, I've, I've seen videos, man. And I just, people spending like $3,000 on it, it. Anytime you spend, I would never spend more than like a hundred bucks on something that I couldn't return. Like, Hey, the, Amazon's like, Hey, Spend send three thousand dollars on this, and we're not going to tell you what's inside. It's probably broken, and you can't return it. I'm just that's not what I'm into. I know some, maybe some people make some good money on that, but I'm very risk averse. Mm. Uh, I like spending five bucks on stuff I can sell for fifty, not three thousand that I'd be lucky to break break even on. Um, but again, that's just that's just my my opinion. Um, as far as mistakes. I think my biggest, like my most costly mistakes haven't been on sourcing, but on shipping. Um, like the first VCR I ever sold, I did free shipping and it sold Ooh. to a buyer in Hawaii. So oh. shipping it from South Carolina to Hawaii, it was like 12 pounds or something. So it was like $47 and I'd sold it for $49.99 free shipping. Yep. Yep. So, and I paid, I paid like five bucks for it. So even though, yeah, basically... Uh, lost a couple dollars, you know, that I think that was my worst mistake, my most costly mistake. Um, so what have you done to prevent that from happening again? What do you do now? Yeah. So now anything over two pounds, I make sure to like, anytime I have a, a VCR or anything big like that, I'll box it up when I'm listing it, like get it ready to like, if it sells, I can ship it instantly. And then mm -hmm. I actually do the actual dimensions and, and weight of it. Um, you know, pretty much anything over two to three pounds. If I, if I know it's big, um, generally with shoes and stuff, I know most shoes are going to cost between eight and 15 bucks or so, you know, depending on where they go. So I just put those in at, at two pounds, but anything heavy. Um, well, one thing I do is avoid sourcing heavy things that aren't going to sell for a significant amount of money. Right. I had a, a, a viewer asked me a question today, I think in an email about um, what do you do with heavy? Like, how do you, control shipping on heavy items. I have an item that, you know, selling for 25 bucks, but it's going to cost 80 to ship. I'm like, nobody's, nobody's going to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what that is. Like, I can't think of any item that somebody would pay 25 bucks for and then 80 to ship. Yeah. Like, that's just, I just, that's not something I would want to source. Yeah. You got to go local uh, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like I'll buy VCRs, but I, I go for those Magnavox ones that are, you know, 200, they sell for 220 used on FBA and about 160 um, used on eBay. It's, it's, it's this one right here. Oh, this is like a Bolo episode. You got all these Bolos that were dropping on this one. I'm going to get this listed. But this oh, yeah, is, that's, uh, that's a nice one. Yep. It's the, the ones that say DVD recorder yep. right there. Money. Yeah, yeah, Money. yeah. No, I, and I sold this on Amazon and it was returned because a lot of people on Amazon use these to like, 
transfer VHS to DVDs right. and then they return them. Yep. So I'm just going to sell it on eBay this time. But you know, I, it's interesting you bring that up, Josh, because there is an uptick on the price of those. So the prices on those, they didn't tank, but they did go down a year ago. And it's because there was a lot of YouTube. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I think it was because of YouTube videos. Uh, but then what I'm noticing, and I think there's a discussion on Reddit about this too, that they are going up in price again. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, they stopped making them. So, yeah, they stopped making, there's no more VCRs being made. But now I could even see now that, you know, get those VHS collections that are out, get them list. I mean, whatever you can list, I would say list if it's related to indoor, because you will most likely be able to sell it somehow. Yeah. Right. As long as the price point and the right buyer and so on. Yeah. I'm having luck selling outdoor stuff too. I've sold, I think I sold a baseball glove today, a baseball bat this weekend. Huh. Um, I don't know why. I don't know who they're going to play with, <laughs> but they're buying it. It is interesting. Are you, have you had some weird sales, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's true. Even with the outdoor stuff, like, like there are, even with like California right now, I don't know what it's like where, where you're at in South Carolina, but right now we have the, the shelter in place kind of guidelines out. Stay home um, order. Yeah. But, but that doesn't, that doesn't, prevent you from being able to go on hikes and do those things. In fact, they're actually having to shut down certain areas because people are, there's too many people home that are going to like hike in places. So it's actually more crowded than it should be. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are people who are still going to parks or going out and playing out in their front yard. Like it's not like people are just inside. So I think that that, there's kind of two ends of being home. There's the, those who are just going to play video games, right? So we see the uptick in video games, but then there's those who are like, Hey, mom's home or dad's home, and maybe they're usually not, and the kids are home and they're not at school. Let's go out and play some ball, right? Let's catch. And mm-hmm. so I, I definitely do think that there will be some some uptick in those sales also. As long as there's social distancing. Yeah. As long as people stay home or away from others. I mean, if you you know, if you're throwing ball, you're gonna be further in six and feet. I had so. the weirdest experience today though. I went to the post office to drop off packages and the lady looked at me and I knew we didn't have we had like three feet almost between us by the time I crossed her. So she purposely moved over like four feet. And I'm like, things are real right now. Like, <laughs> like no one, like I, you know, you see kids on bikes and you see people like moving away and scurrying like, oh man, like I hope this passes soon. Just an interesting yep. time. All right. Speaking of the times right now, Josh, talk to me a little bit, how you talked a little bit earlier about how you've been adapting now this, to this quarantine life, reselling home, et cetera. Uh so yeah, I started, um, I still have a little bit of a death pile. I started listing some stuff, listed all my video game stuff from my death pile. Um, but again, then again, it's like, I don't know, it's going on about a week and a half for me. Like I, I stopped you know, going out, stopped sourcing last week. Um, so I'm getting to the point in my death pile where I'm like having to make the decision. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I could list this and it might sell for like five bucks. But I, I, I filled up like three or four trash bags today with just the, bunch of small stuff that I'd bought over the years that I'm, mm. you know, digging down to and like, you know, seeing it now. And, um, I just, I just redonating that stuff. I, I do it. I don't know. I'd recommend doing it like every six months, just go through your death pile. And like, if something's not worth your time, if something's just, you're not going to enjoy listing it, or even if you list it, it's not going to sell for very much money, just redonate it. Right. Um, for me, that just teaches me a lesson. Like you dummy, don't buy that again. That was a terrible buy. Uh, a lot of it came from the bins, like in the bins, I'm like, oh, this is 10 cents, man. I could sell it for $8. That's right. a huge profit margin. Uh, but then you get it home and it sits in your death pile for eight months and, uh, it's just not worth listing anymore. So not a huge loss. Like I said, most of it came from the bins. Um, but it's just, it's nice to get that, just that free up that space and physically and mentally, I right. guess it just makes it 
more clear to work. I do everything out of my garage. Uh, well, I mean, I have my office here for YouTube, but all my eBay stuff is in the garage. Uh, so any space I can free up out there is helpful at this time. Um, I went through, did a little bit of bookkeeping. Um, don't really like that. <laughs> I use GoDaddy bookkeeping. It does yeah. most of my stuff for me. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just, I really hope it, I just, I just want to get back out there, yeah. <laughs> you know, just start making thrifting videos again. Cause it's, it's, it's tough trying to keep up with YouTube as well. Cause there's only so many videos you can make at home. Yeah. Um, like I did the Bolo video last week. I did, uh, I'll, I'll probably tomorrow I'll do a what sold for this past weekend. Um, you know, and one thing I'll say about that, when all this happened, I, I saw a huge attitude of like, Oh, it's cool. We can just make YouTube videos now. But now so many people are making YouTube videos yeah. like it's it's like it, it, it's basically inflation. Like yeah. there's only so many people that are interested in reselling videos and I'm trying to watch as many as I can. But it seems like every every reselling channel I'm subscribed to is posting basically daily videos. Um, so it's actually make for me personally, my last couple of videos have gotten fewer views than than average. Um, so it's there's competition out there, man. It's not. um I thought that more people would be watching because more people were at home, uh -huh. but more people are at home making videos yep. and just, I guess, less people are watching. So it's interesting, yep. but, but um, there's supply and demand even when it comes to, uh, to viewers and content, right? Yeah. 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 But I think it'll rebound. I mean, this last week was a shakeup. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are like in, in survival mode, right. In the sense of like, you know, even I, I even uh, Instagram, we're still growing. Our podcast is still growing. I mean, we took a little bit of a dip, but I, I what I've noticed is that a lot of people are just trying to figure out life right now. Right. And I think as if whether this becomes part of our normal life, I, I hate saying that, but let's say it does. Let's say we're still in this scenario six months from now. Like I would give it about a month and things will start rebounding. Right. It's just going to be different. Like we're going to be we're going to be living indoors mm -hmm. instead of outdoors, but we're all going to. There's going to be a, I believe there's going to be still sourcing going on, right? Online arbitrage is still going to be taking place. People are still going to want products. Like it's still going to happen. It's just, just going to be different, right? So your content that you'll be creating, maybe how to source on eBay or how to, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what, yeah. but speaking of sourcing, what are you going to do? Like eventually, if, let's say your inventory dwindles, what, what are you looking to for options? Um, I don't know. I've had, a, I've had some pretty good luck just going through older listings and just ending them. Okay. Um, sometimes ending and relisting with a different price. Sometimes I'll retake photos if the photos are really bad. Okay. Um, I think I've made five or six sales last week, just relisting old inventory. Um, I mean, stuff that's been sitting for a year. I'll, like literally I had some soap, I had some Dawn dish soap that I got retail so arbitrage archery. I thought it was the best fine ever. Um, there's four bottles. I paid four bucks for it plus tax. And I had it listed for like $12.99 free shipping forever. Never sold. And then I ended it, relisted it for $15.99 plus or free shipping. And it sold within like an hour. Huh. Um, so, I mean, that's what you can do. I mean, eventually, if I mean, if they keep extending our stay inside, I, I will eventually run out of things to sell. Um, but I guess I could list stuff I have sitting around. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, I got not, some guitars yeah, in the back. It's a cool hat you're wearing. We can throw <laughs> yeah, that up. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not too worried about it. It's, um, I, I think one of, if you're thinking about becoming a full-time reseller, one of the key things that I would recommend is having a significant savings account, Hundred uh, which is 
the only reason my wife and I are not panicking right now. We have pretty good savings account saved up. I mean, we could probably last like a year, you know, just if, if that were the case. So you do have non-negotiables. Um, that is a non-negotiable right there. Yeah, I would say like if you, if you don't have a savings account, you should not be a full-time reseller. 100%. 100%. I don't care what you're selling. I don't care how many active listings you have. I don't care how good you are. If you do not have money in the bank, do not be a full-time reseller. Mm, um, it's that's changed my mind. What was that meme? <laughs> <laughs> the guy sitting at the table. Yeah. yeah, changed, yeah. 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 Um, that's something I'm super passionate about, which is, I really think that's the only reason that my wife and I were comfortable with me trying it because it wasn't really a financial risk for us. Like if it didn't work out, I, I knew, I knew eBay would be there for Q4. Like I knew I could hustle with eBay I had 40 hours a week freed up, you know, so obviously I could, we weren't going to starve. Um, but now this is almost the same situation, almost, almost scarier. Cause it's not Q4. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but still the comfort is there because of that savings. So, uh, having an emergency fund is super, super important for anybody, but especially resellers. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, you've dropped some like two really big things, I think, um, that that kind of are, are like life advice. One, the, the savings account. That's huge. Um, you even mentioned kind of the Dave Ramsey style, like financial coaching. I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of that knowledge and understanding from that. Uh, and then also uh, you talked before about kind of doing something you care about, the happiness, you, the people sometimes only think of price, like how much they get paid as opposed to what their value of life is. Um I like to ask my listeners um, or the, the people we're interviewing so our listeners can hear what's like a, a, like a key value or life advice that you live by or something that our listeners could benefit from. <sighs> That's a good question. <laughs> so I think it's a quote from Dave Ramsey and it's something not word for word, but it's something like business isn't that hard. If you just care about your customers, the pro the profits will follow. Mm. And I think in reselling and in YouTube, like as long as you care about the people you're helping, as long as the stuff you're selling on eBay is of good quality and you're not lying in your, in your descriptions, if you're operating your business with integrity um, on YouTube, if you're making content that actually helps people, you're not doing it for the views, you're not um, getting involved in the drama and all that crap. Um, if you truly care about your business and operating with integrity, the money is always going to follow. Mm. Um, and some people are like, Hey, that's not true. There's a lot of nice guys that go out of business. I'm like, yeah, you have to, you have to be involved in a, in a business. There's like a Christian bookstore in uh, our town that's going out of business now. And it's super sad, but I'm like, it's just the market. Like, yeah. I mean, there's only so many people that want to, to, to pay up for something like that. Why would I buy a book from you for $40? <laughs> so I can go to Amazon and get it for 12. You know, it's right. just common sense. Um, so that's sad, but as long as you, for the most part, as long as you have integrity and operate your business with the customer and their experience as the forefront in, in the forefront of your mind, um, I, I think you're going to be all right. Good. Thank you. I, I agree. I mean, it's, <laughs> As much and right now, you know, as much as, you know, Amazon and their fair pricing policy, but that's what they're doing right now. Right. Because a lot of people are concerned and they're scared. And I think on eBay, I think it's a good lesson for us, too, that right now to work with people. Right. Because I, I don't know if you're getting are you getting messages, Josh, like I can't pay today, but I can pay in a couple of days or are you getting any of those? Maybe it's just uh, me. Not lately. I mean, I've gotten them before. I've gotten. Hey, man, I really want these shoes. Like I've gotten people that'll buy something and then not pay. Yeah. 
then I send them the payment reminder and they're like, Hey man, I really want these shoes, but you know, my cat has to have surgery and it's going to be oh like six weeks until I can pay for them. I'm like, well, sorry. <laughs> you know, well, the ones so I'm it, getting right now is, Hey, I can pay this much, but I, I actually, I can't pay for the shipping. And I don't know, you might disagree, but I've buckled. I've said, okay, I'll give it to you for such ship. a nice guy. No, not a nice guy, but it's sales conversion, like keeping the algorithm triggered. And at the mm-hmm. same time, that's $50. I may not be able to get in a week. Like to me, it's day by day right now. Yeah. Like there are sales coming in right now. I, I shared with Mike before the podcast that I'm making just as much right now as I was before everything fell apart. Not fell apart. That's a terrible way. But, you know, we all know what I'm talking about. It basically fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're anyways. Yeah. Okay. But this I'm just you just got to go with it right now. You you to me and my, my advice to our listeners, to anybody, Josh, whoever's listening out there, you got to make those sales happen right now because we don't know how long those sales are going to continue. This could yep. be. Uh, renaissance or reselling maybe in the next few weeks as people are just going to go online or it could be a tough time and we're going to have to be thankful for every sale. We don't know. So you got to go day by day on this one. So, yeah, I think that's especially true with Poshmark. I follow a lot of Poshmark sellers on Instagram and they are really struggling right now Mm -hmm. because people just aren't buying clothes Mm -hmm. like occasionally, but um, shoes are still going, doing well. Mm -hmm. But as far as clothing only sellers, they they're they're struggling. So now is definitely no time to be greedy. Uh, if I even with my hard goods and and shoes, you know, if I get a decent offer where I'm, yeah, you know, I get a lot of hate because I sell shoes for you know 18, 20 bucks sometimes, but my buy cost is so low. So even at that point, after fees and shipping, I'm still more than doubling my money. Um, so I'm like, hey, you know, whatever. Like these shoes have been listed for seven months. Yeah. And you're sending me an offer in a time like this where I don't know where my next sale is coming from. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> That's good advice. I mean, I just sold a pair of Christian Louis Vuittons. You know what those are? No. Those super expensive women's high heels. Like they cost like a thousand bucks, whatever. I had them listen for four fifty, and I took 200. Like you just, you just got to make it happen. Just gotta make it happen. Yeah, that might be uh, actually a tool that we could use with eBay arbitrage, right? If 100%, you're trying to, yep. to purchase, we talked before. Don't come about- to my store though. <laughs> About yeah. potentially Especially buying off collections you, from people. If you're like in like LA or California or a place where thrift stores are charging 15, 20, 30 bucks for yep. used shoes, you can go on eBay. I see used shoes selling all the time for $1.99 or 99 yep. cents, you know, plus shipping. Uh, there's a lot of inexperienced sellers on eBay that mm-hmm. are severely underselling themselves, um, mainly with auctions. I see, I don't know why people think auction, they should auction off a pair of shoes. Yeah. That's just the dumbest thing. Um, if you're listening, do not auction off clothing or shoes. So I think Josh is buying now. (laughs) Yeah. Do you do best offer or you just fix price? Uh, I do have best offer turned on on most of my listings. Uh, Just in case, you know, of course I get the the low balls. I think I had a baseball bat listed for like 80 bucks and somebody sent me an offer of like $9. (laughs) I'm like, no, dude. Uh, So yeah, it's, it gets kind of frustrating, but with auctions, anytime you're auctioning off something that isn't, uh, I don't know. It's just a, a commodity. It's just like shoes. Like anybody, you could go buy them on eBay for 20 bucks. Why am I going to bother oct- like bidding on yours? You know, no. um, I don't know. I see a lot of really nice shoes like Brooks or anything like that just sell for 99 cents plus shipping because people auction them off and they have terrible pictures and they're probably in really good condition, but they just don't know what they're doing. 
It's another bolo that just got dropped. This is the bolo episode. Like we have yeah. not had so, but it's a different time. These are the Harry Tornado Bublos. Yeah. So, all right. So Josh, let, let's do some speculation here. So we don't know where things are going to end up, but we've talked a little bit about it. What, what do you think? What do you think we're going to, where do you think reselling is going? So can you give us two scenarios? Because <laughs> we have to go with two scenarios. What do you, what are your thoughts? Um. So, I think you can go two ways. Like one, people that aren't reselling now get really desperate for cash and they start Googling and YouTube searching ways to make money and they stumble upon one of my videos or some other resellers videos and then they get interested. And then once thrift stores open back up, they start reselling. Um, not too threatened by that because people like that don't realize how hard it is. Right. Like, yeah, they might make an extra couple hundred bucks to help them temporarily. But as far as being a long-term competitor to me, not worried about that. Um, and then I guess the other way is just people just completely get out of the side hustle mindset and mm. things just get so bad that people quit reselling to go back to the corporate world because they need something with benefits because they're starving. You know, right. I don't know. Um, I don't really think that's going to happen at all. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's weird to make estimates about mm -hmm. what can happen in a time like this. Um, I think everybody reselling or not, everybody's just going to struggle for a couple months. Uh, but then once everything gets cleared up, whether that be this summer or this fall, I think there's going to be a huge boom uh, in everything, travel especially. Um, so, so I don't know. I, th I, I think if we think about the good things that come along with, with everything that's going on right now, like so many people, like I watch a lot of TikToks and I love it when like, you know, kids are home from college and, you know, there's nothing to do. So they just make some crazy TikTok dance video with their grandparents yeah. or whatever. Like everybody's just sitting at house, nothing else to do. Um, so I don't know. I think this time is really just giving everybody a break, mm. like just letting everybody just focus on what really matters. And yeah, it's kind of scary, but it could always be worse. You yeah. know, there's the, the, what's the, what's the mortality rate, like 2% or something. It could be 30, you know? So I think uh, it's definitely a weird situation. It's weird that definitely. we're even having this conversation right now. This is so surreal right now. So surreal. yeah, it, I I really don't think we realize how significant this is. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we're we're going to be talking about this with our grandkids. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, tell us the story about when the world shut down. <laughs> it's so crazy. Well, yeah, yeah. We, literally, the world has shut down. Yep, yep. It has. It has. So. And we don't know when we drop this episode on Wednesday, you know, we'll see how things go. It is Monday, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast. And so some of the stuff hopefully is still relevant and everything's all good by Wednesday. But uh, Josh, we really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Any last minute things you want to share, like where to find you and so on? Uh, yeah. So I'm on YouTube and Instagram as Harry Tornado. Um, I'm not a professional, but if you guys ever have any questions or comments, I'm really responsive on Instagram. Um so shoot me a message, shoot me a DM there. I'll be happy to help you any way I can. Um, I try to make like two to I guaranteed two videos a week on my YouTube. I'm trying to do three, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. So I think there'll be a video out tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll just, we'll get through this together. Um, and if you want to connect with me, if you haven't uh, seen or heard from me before, then that's where to find me. Harry Tornado. YouTube and Instagram. All right. Well, thanks so much, Josh. Mike, you have anything you want to add? No, I mean, I'm just so grateful to have you on. I mean, you're, you're obviously a smart guy. You know what you're doing. Um, appreciate everything you're doing for the community and just super excited to have you on the podcast. So thank you for taking the time for this. 
um, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. So with that being said, everybody, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.